Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome to Law Focus, the show with a staunch focus on the law. My name is Veronica Mahwadi, your voice of law for the evening, right here on VARFEM 88.1. Tonight, we will be discussing rental rights. Many people rent uh, before they actually own property. So the need to know your rental rights and responsibilities is not only helpful, but in actual fact, very crucial. There has been a recent increase in accommodation prices that has been affecting many young people here in Bramfontein. But with this increase, they also also seems to be a large number of people who don't actually know their rental rights. Whether as a tenant or as a landlord, this is actually quite alarming because Johannesburg is a property hub. So Law Focus tonight will be talking to the Social Economic Rights Institute about the difference between common law and the Housing Act. We'll also be talking to the Gauteng Rental Housing Tribunal about the services they offer. Do stay tuned in for that upcoming discussion. But before we get into that, let's start the show with the hottest legal stories of the week. Here are your legal hotspots for the evening. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the top of, the stories of the week, it's Legal Hotspots. I'm joined in studio by one of our researchers for Low Focus, Millicent Indueni. She'll be giving us our legal hotspots for this evening. What do you have for us? So in the first case that we have this evening, there's been negligence of children and the violations of their rights in that they have been denied birth certificates, IDs, and they are not allowed to go to school. It was reported on the 15th of October this year that a father of seven mm. in Ngamagwe, near Ngobo in the Eastern Cape, who is linked to the controversial cults, the church known as the Seven Angels. Oh, I remember this church. Yes, yes. the ones who massacred the police at the beginning of the year. Yes. Absolutely. So he's been involved in withholding his children from attending school. This organization, which he's involved in, you know, has also used women and girls as sex slaves. We don't know the extent to which the children might have been abused and Mm. violated. That information is not clear to the public. But what we do know right now is because their rights against, you know, in terms of the Children's Act, the Constitution, the South African Schools Act and many other laws have been violated they have now been taken to a place of safety by the Department of Social Development. You know what's worrying me is that this is not the only story about these, you know, these pop-up churches mm. that have been causing serious damage to society. Absolutely. We've got a 58-year-old Durban-based televangelist from Nigeria. His name is Timothy Omotoso. He mm. also faces a string of charges, including sexual assaults, rape, racketeering, and alleged human trafficking. Apparently about 30 women or girls might have been trafficked by him. Which is really scary um, and really sad. We saw Cheryl Zondi, who is the first witness yes. to testify in the case. She's now 22, but at the age of 14, she was sexually assaulted and molested by him. She described really traumatic, graphic, very explicit details. And the reason why she had to go graphic like that is because the defense lawyer, Peter Daberman, I hope I pronounced it correctly, he basically, you know, according to the public, was asking very hard-hitting questions that were making almost victim-blaming, um, according to, to, to the public's opinion. We're going to play a clip for you right now so that you can hear what happened in court. I put it to you, man, that you are fabricating your evidence. Wow. The version that you gave the police is different in material respects 
from what you have told the court. In other words, ma'am, I put it to you that you are lying about what happened to you. With all due respect, that's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard in my life. I don't know how this man thinks I can't remember what happened to me. I was there. It's not a question of not remembering. It's a question of adapting your version and fabricating your version. So you can hear from the clip that was played that there was a lot of victim blaming. She had to take responsibility for the fact that she was a sexually assaulted. You know, the jollification that he, the lawyer was speaking to. You know, you, you, you were alone in a room with a man. Uh, did you wonder why the door was locked? Those kind of issues. Mm. He even went very graphic to even ask how much of his penis penetrated you. Um, which is, I agree with her. I think... It's absurd. absurd. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the girls' rights were violated. Their integrity, their integrity, their dignity. They trusted Timothy Omotoso as a man of God, as a pastor, as someone who was going to be the music teacher for her. At least Cheryl Zondi, in particular, um, she wanted to learn how to, you know, sing or play the piano or whatever. And he used his powers over these these young girls. The matter resumed this morning in court and. We'll see how it goes. We hope that these mm. people from these churches who are doing really bad acts should also face the might of the law. And I think it also, when you talk about the law, it also brings into that question that is something that is discussed quite a lot when it comes to sexual assault victims as to how far does the law really go in protecting my rights. Mm. And this is something we find a lot that happens with young people that they feel that they cannot report what has happened because they feel that second victimization that you were talking on about. Um, but what is the third story you have for us? Yeah, um, I was, before I get to the third story, I was going to add, it's not just even young people, women and girls Absolutely. or victims or survivors um, of sexual abuse generally. In our third story, we have the EFF and its deputy president, Floyd Shivambu, who are said to have received money from the looting of a VBS bank. Mm. So close to two billion rand has been looted from VBS. It was revealed on the 10th of October this year by the South African Reserve Bank in its report about the looting of VBS, which they, in, they titled The Great Bank Heist, that Brian Shivambu, who is Floyd Shivambu's brother, received an exorbitant amount of 16 million rand from VBS. Hmm. Brian says that the money was for the consulting work that he did. For the bank. So it is alleged that Floyd Shivambu received 10 million rand of that amount and the EFF was given 1 million rand. The sure. EFF had a press conference Hectic. earlier today, exactly, and they dismissed the claims completely. The commander in chief stated that they had a look at Floyd's bank statements dating back to 2014, and there is absolutely no such evidence that money, such money, entered his bank account. The National Prosecuting Authority has confirmed that it is investigating the heist. The Democratic Alliance has also reported Floyd Shivambu to Parliament's Ethics Committee for his alleged involvement. And Julius Malema has also stated that should evidence come to the fore that Floyd stole the money, or at least he received that large sum that is unaccounted for, he will be punished accordingly. As it stands, VBS is under the curatorship, is under curatorship since July. I think that is so awful. You know, as much as we are all torn, like turning this into some sort of a political story or another story of, you know, the corruption that happens within these political parties, at the end of the day, so many, and in particular, so many black families 
have suffered so much because of this looting, because of this corruption. And we'll continue to suffer if we don't uproot it and deal with it accordingly. doesn't matter who you are, which, you know, we want the best for our country. And I hope that the law, again, will take its cause and the people who have done the wrong will... Yeah, face the might of the law. Face the might of the law. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Millicent, for our legal hotspots for this week. Let's continue the conversation as we discuss rental rights. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week. It's legal hotspots. Law focus. Point, point of information. For many South Africans, the cost of living has left renting as the only option. But so many people still don't know their rental rights. And these rental rights can include the increase of rent. Recently, there was a protest led by students and surrounding institutions in Bramfontein calling on Mayor Herman Mashaba to cap the accommodation price increase, making it more affordable to students. Many questioned the announcement of this 10% increase as taking advantage of students who are in need once again highlighting how important it is to thoroughly know and understand your rental rights. Of course, this wouldn't be a conversation without your opinion. And this is what you actually had to say about the topic. People don't know their rental rights because a lot of the times you just speak about your experiences like uh, you complain about the fact that the rent has gone high, but there's no maintenance, but you don't know that you can actually complain about it or where to complain. When a landlord obviously owns the place, they have the right, well, they abuse the right to increase fees. The increase of raised fees, I feel like that's abusive or abuse of power, purely because they own the space. They can then say, um, we actually don't have enough money for whatever we want to do, so let's just make everything more expensive for everyone. So I do feel like, in general, even if it's not worth even if you, 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 you're renting an apartment somewhere, the fees can always go higher. And as the person who needs the space, you have to pay because spaces these days cost a lot of money. So even if, even though they do um, increase it by maybe 10% or 5% or whatever, you can't really move because anywhere else would be leaps and bounds apart from what you're paying, even though it's increased. I don't think so. I think tenants sometimes take advantage of landlords' houses, but I don't think landlords... Take- I think it depends on the relationship as well. Some of them don't pay, some of them don't like keep the house properly, like it's not clean and sometimes they'll break things and not fix it. I kind of think they do, you know, like uh, visiting a friend, limiting about the student Katsako, and like limiting the time that you spend there and stuff, you know, like I don't think they're giving you that freedom. And I have friends who would say they moved out because of such reasons. You're not really free or you don't feel like you at home. I don't think they really do know their rental rights because you got when if you get into an agreement, we as a good time I talk sometimes you know what? I don't agree to this. Well, let's speak about it. But like another way in terms of and then you just pay the deposit and pay the rent, blah 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 blah, and then you come to the contract that call or whatever that you sign, you don't really pay that much attention to it, yeah, well. I, I think landlords do somehow exploit ten, tenants, especially young tenants, because they will increase rent willingly knowing that you can't afford it and they don't take into account that you don't work. So they do exploit you in some way because you need to stay there for school and work. I don't personally think that tenants know their personal rights, especially with instances where we have students who are renting currently and then what happens is when the rent can't be paid at a certain date, you have them, like my personal experience is you have the 
um, landlords switching off their electricity, which is actually illegal. So I had to first like study that and learn what were my rights before I could even approach them. And I should have known that before, but no one really makes that aware to the tenants even before. It's kind of just like, great, they're getting money. They do take advantage because they know that they have the leverage. They have the power to actually convince the buyer because in most cases when you look at property related topics it's the buyer that's looking for accommodation it's it's not really the 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 landlord that needs because you know property is something that doesn't really depreciate so regardless of someone coming and complaining about the price of it being too expensive or too cheap there'll always be someone who's going to buy that property so you could say, yeah, you can actually argue that landlords, to be specific, they do take advantage of their tenants. No focus. Point, point of information. When it comes down to the conversation of rental rights, it is between a tenant and a landlord. And this relationship should be able to provide both parties who enter into an agreement with the intention of giving as well as getting at reasonable value. The obligations of tenants as well as landlords are covered in statutory as well as non-statutory law in South Africa. So when we talk about non-statutory law, we are referring to common law. And when we actually talk about statutory law, we are referring to the Rental Housing Act of 2002. This act regulates the relationship between landlords and tenants, and it provides for dispute resolution by the Rental Housing Tribunal. So the purpose of this act is to respectively regulate the rights and the obligation of tenants and landlords. The act of 2002 covers issues such as lease agreements, deposits, rent and maintenance to name a few. But what is the difference and how can you exercise the Rental Housing Act? On the line, I'm joined by Ndate Edward Mulopi, who is from the Social Economic Rights Institute of South Africa. Welcome to Law Focus, sir. Thank you for having me. Let's start with a basic question. When it comes to rental rights, uh, we all know that there are certain laws that protect tenants and there are certain laws that um, prevent or rather uh, protect landlords. So I believe that there is such a thing called the common law when it comes to rental rights. What is, what is the common law in rental rights? Um, so actually, I think if we look at it, um, what the laws that govern our land, right? Correct. We have the constitution, which is the overarching law that everybody needs to abide by. Um, and in there, it has some specific protections that it offers um, people rights, um, property rights, but then it also offers um, rights to people who find themselves um, in, in situations that need uh, protections in terms of their housing rights. Um, so this, we're looking particularly at Section 25 and Section 26 of, of the Constitution. But then I think when it comes to rental housing specifically, there is an act that governs um, rental housing as a whole. And, and basically that act was enacted in 1999. It's called the Rental Housing Act. Mm. So that's, where, that, that's the law that governs um, rental um, housing in South Africa. And what does this Rental and, Housing Act um, in, consist of? No, it, it's actually quite um, broad in, in, in what it covers. So it, it covers the relations uh, between the tenants and the landlords. It covers institutions um, that arbitrate in cases where there are 
um, fights or disagreements between the, the landlord and tenant. So one of those would be the rental housing tribunals that, that are set up in terms of that act. Mm. So it, so it, 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 it looks at, at, at all that. So it looks at um, issues of from how when people get into a rental agreement, um, what sort of things they need to look into, um, what, what protections are there for the tenant and what protections are there for the landlord. So, for example, um, it regulates or states that um, prior to getting into the rental agreement, that people, the two parties need to go and look at the property and then list what um, the state of the property and say that this is there, this is there, this is there, um, and then state the things that are not there. So if, mm. for example, there's a broken window, yes. um, you you need to, to note that um, in that pre-visit before you enter into, into before you take occupation mm. of the building. Mm. Um, so you need to have all those things. And then it states that there needs to be something called a lease agreement. Yes. So the lease agreement is, is, is an agreement between, it's a, it's a legally binding contract between you and the landlord mm. um, to say that this is the agreement that we're entering on. And then the lease agreement will then state the terms um, of, of your stay there. So it will say how long you're going to be staying. So the lease agreement actually needs to be quite specific around how long you're going to be there. So it can't say you'll stay for as long as you like or you'll stay for as long as the landlord is happy with, with your stay there. I often, so find, I often find with a lot of people when it comes um, up to, to renting that sometimes you find that within the lease agreement, sometimes that it, it can be verbal and it can be written. What is the problem when we've got uh, this lease agreement being done quite differently? So it, it's recommended that it's actually um, written um, so that you, you both have a, 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 a point of reference to say that this is what we agreed on and then you can both sign onto that written lease agreement. Um, but in cases where there isn't a lease agreement, um, so it's taken that the two of you have entered into some sort of a verbal agreement. Um, then it, it's the problem with that is, is that it becomes hard to mediate um, when there's a dispute between the two. So it, it, it becomes a question of your word against mine. Um, so you'll say that um, the landlord has allowed you to stay here for a rental of 2500 per month, all-inclusive. And then the landlord will say, no, that 2500 was exclusive of your water and electricity charges. So there are those small things mm. that um, you, you would not consider or you'd not see if, if, if you have not entered into um, a written agreement. How, how does a, a tenant know that a lease agreement is actually being fair? Uh, so what they can do is that they can take, I, I think, measures to educate themselves. But in any case, if there, is, if there are stuff that you're not comfortable with, um, then you should immediately, I think, um, not take up and sign on to that kind of lease agreement. So if, if there, are, there, are, there are questions such as who, who can who is allowed to visit at what times and, uh, and those kind of things, then you should, if, if, if that does not fit in with your lifestyle, mm. then you should not enter into that kind of agreement. 
Um, but anyway, anything that goes against um, the Constitution would immediately be unfair or discriminatory. So, for example, what some practices like um, being charged um, being charged an, a fee above what you are paying for your electricity and water usage. So, for example, an administ- what sometimes they would refer to as, as an, an administrative fee for for your water and electricity mm. charges. That's not fair. That's not so, fair. For example, if the municipality is charging the landlord um, 2,000 rand a month for your usage, then they can't come and charge you 4,000 rand and say that the extra... Two thousand rand is, um, is 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 administration fee. So so that kind of thing would would not be fair. It, it's actually against the law. And generally, when a lease um, agreement contract is being breached uh, by either party, what is the starting point to sue? And is it often worth suing? And what other sort of channels can one use? So the first uh, point to go to would be the the rental housing tribunal. So um, in Gauteng, Gauteng does have one. Um, And then I think Cape Town has one too. So there are a number of them across the country, but not every province has set them up. Um, But then, so that's that's the body that has been put up um, in terms of the act, that when there is a dispute between the tenant and the landlord, that you would go to the rental housing tribunal. And they would then look at the issue and then they would make um, a ruling based on what you, you you have presented to them. All right. No, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I think maybe just our last question. Recently, um, the WITS SRC over here, they had a march where the theme was sort of that accommodation is land. We've had a very big issue in regards to students and, mm-hmm. you know, just the increase of prices in accommodation for them. I want to know, what can we do to sort of increase the prices of accommodation as well as renting within the country? So accommodation is a serious issue, um, not only for students, but for also, I mean, I think a lot of working class um, people within the city of Johannesburg and the country as a whole, right? So, and the problem there is with the high rental that, that people are charging for, for to accommodate people. So I, one, one of the things that we advocate for as theory is that there should be a public rental um, option whereby people are able to rent at subsidized prices so these are people who are not able to otherwise afford um, prices that are being asked for in the market, and they would then be um, find a, they would then be allocated into a rental housing program that is owned by um, the municipality, and so people can rent directly from the municipality at prices that they would be able to afford. So that's 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 just one of of of. The, the solutions that I think would make um, a big impact in, in this. So, but yeah, I think it's there's the, the, the a huge problem with um, with how prices are increasing, and and that actually leaves out a lot of people who aren't able to afford the kind of prices that are being asked for in the market. Mm. All right. Thank you so much, Ndate Edward, for joining us on Law Focus tonight. Thank you for having me.
All right. That was Edward Mulopi from the Social Economic Rights Institute of South Africa. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus. Handing you your rights. The relationship between a landlord and a tenant can often be challenging. From time to time, issues arise which cannot be solved simply with a handshake and the need for an independent party becomes clear. This is where the Rental Housing Tribunal comes in. So the Tribunal is a product of the Rental Housing Act of 2002. It has been established with a view to resolve disputes between landlords and tenants. So the service is free and can be used by any tenant as well as any landlord, as well as property. Property um, agents. So the tribunal has the power to determine issues relating to, amongst other things, non-payment of rentals, failure to refund deposits, overcrowding, and even illegal evictions. We are talking to Keleto Maikeng from the Gauteng Housing Tribunal. Welcome to Law Focus, Keleto. And thank you for having me. Very briefly, Mayor, what is the Housing Tribunal? Um, the Rental Housing Tribunal is a statutory body which provides mechanisms to resolve disputes between uh, landlords and tenants. And also we are trying to build a positive relationship between the two parties. Um, it was actually initiated by the national government to promote a stable and a growing market which is aimed at improving the living conditions in the, res- in the rental housing market and also to encourage investment within the urban and rural areas. And what laws govern the tribunal? We are governed by the Rental Housing Act and also the procedural regulations which seeks to determine whether an unfair practice has been committed. Uh, we, we look into a broader picture of what is lawful and fair. Uh, when our approach is similar to that of a normal court, uh, we generally require, requ- we are required to consider the lawfulness of a dispute and make a ruling which is just and equitable. When you talk about the ruling, Mayor, I believe that the tribunal actually has the same power um, as the judgments of a magistrate's court. Of course, yes. What, what measures can the tribunal actually take? Can you evict a person? Can you imprison a person? Um, the tribunal does not issue out eviction orders. What we do is we deal with disputes of uh, un, um, illegal evictions. When a person has been illegally evicted from a property, then they can approach the tribunal, lodge a complaint, and then we can deal with such a matter. However, when a person wants to evict a person from the property, then they will have to go through an, a separate process which can be done at the magistrate's court or at the high court. Okay, so, so you guys assist with people who've been illegally evicted, but you don't actually, you know, give summons to evict a person. True, yes. And we, we, we assist where a person has been illegally evicted from the property, where a person has been issued, uh, with, with, where a person has not been issued with a proper notice to move out of the property. Mm. Then in that case, we, 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 we try and deal with it. And who can actually make use of the Rental Housing Tribunal? Um, the tri- any, any tenant or a landlord or a group of tenants or interest groups 
may lodge a complaint with the tri- with the tribunal concerning an unfair practice. Um, maybe I should also note that we only deal with residential properties. We don't deal with commercial properties. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you reside in Sensin, whether you reside in Tembisa or a squatter camp or a big room, we, we, you have a right to, to lodge a complaint with the tribunal. And for foreign nationals who are living in South Africa illegally, let's say they don't have any documents, how far do the rental rights apply to them and protect them? Uh, the the law applies to everyone. The rental housing law applies to everyone re- residing in the country, whether legally or illegally. The, tri- the, tri- the tribunal only considers the violation of one's rights. Okay. That, that's, that's actually good to know. <laughs> so <laughs> with the tribunal, I know uh, you can lodge complaints of unfair practices. You mentioned one which was, you know, illegal evictions. What are some of the other unfair practices that can give someone reason to use the tribunal? Um, we, uh, other unfair practices might be your non-payment of rent because we don't only, we are not only assisting tenants, but we also assist the landlords. So it's non-payment of rent when a person has failed to pay their rent. They can always come to the tribunal and report such matters. The damage to property, uh, the non-refund of deposits, um, the maintenance of the actual property which is being leased, or your municipal services. Let's say a a, a landlord decides to put um, interest on the municipal services like your water and lights, then we, we, we deal with such issues, issues of uh, intimidation. Um, so those are your unfair practices. Mm. Mm. Yes. And where can I lodge a complaint? Uh, we have a provincial office, which is in the Johannesburg Central, Ipusasa House, 129 Fox Street. We are based on the fourth floor. Or alternatively, we have regional offices, which are based in all municipalities. We have a few regional offices in the city of Tswane. We have regional offices in Eguruleni, and we also have an office in Thunder Bay Park. So wherever where you are, wherever you are staying at, you can always go and lodge your complaints. Oh no, that's really good news to know, Mayor. And uh, we do have some questions that were sent to us uh, via. Your WhatsApp, and the first one is coming from Michael, who stays in Bramfontein. If you could just assist him with his question. So okay. I signed my lease agreement that says I cannot, I cannot get my deposit back even if I give a month notice, and uh, my lease now ends in March, but I want to leave in November. So what can I do? So did you hear that question, Mme? So the lease, the lease ends in March, and. The, the the tenant wants to live in uh, he, November. He, correct. He so it it ends in March uh, next year, but he actually mm-hmm. wants to live in November this year. So okay. how how could you guide him? Okay, it's important to note that the the, the tenant ha- is is in breach of the lease agreement because it, 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 there is a valid lease agreement which is currently standing. However. You can give the landlord a notice to move out of the property and there will be penalties that will be charged to the to the tenant. So the, the, the person needs to 
negotiate with the with the with the with the landlord and and inform them of the reason of why they are leaving. But if the landlord refuses, obviously there will be charges, your administrative charges, because obviously the landlord will still need to advertise the property. Mm. So those are the charges which will be which the person will be liable for. Is is there some sort of a framework that a person uses when those charges are in place or can the landlord just be like, well, I want, you know, the same amount of your rent or I don't know? No, of, of course, there is a framework because um, the landlord still needs to prove to the tribunal as to these are the costs which I've incurred while advertising the property. Mm. So if if the the tenant feels that they've been char- they've been overcharged with the with the with the with the charges, then they they can always come to us and say I've been over I I don't believe that my the, the whole amount of deposit was meant to 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 pay or pay off the amount set off my contract. Mm. So they can always come to us and say I I, I have not received my deposit. And then we look at into a number of factors. How much have they spent in advertising the property and other administrative fees? And if the property was left in good condition, then we'll, we'll then look into the amount which was being charged. Mm. And uh, this is a question from Malignalo from Randburg. Okay. How can a tenant verify if the lease goes in line with the rental right? Did you get that, ma'am? Yes, I did. Um, we the the, the only the, the people should familiarize themselves with the rental housing act, which con, which contains all the provisions of the the the, the rental housing um, act. Uh, the, Failing which, they can always come to our offices. We, we can always assist them in looking at the lease and see if it's in compliance with what the, the provisions of the Act are. Okay, thank you very much, Mayor. And uh, just the third question from Susan, who is a student in Bramfontein. My landlord told me he was increasing the rent two weeks before month end and made me pay. Is this fair? And... I gave in a deposit when I moved in and after a year I moved out and never received my deposit back. When I tried to file a complaint against my landlord, they said there was no proof of the deposit because I did not have a receipt of some kind. So this is an issue of sort of two questions. So she's saying, you know, uh, the landlord increased her rent two weeks before month end. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. That's that's absolutely not fair. Uh, when a when a landlord decides to increase his his or her rent house, it's required by law by the the procedural regulations that he issues out at least two calendar months notices of his intention to increase rent. That that gives another the the, the tenant a time to decide whether I'll be able to afford to pay the increased amount of rental or not. Mm. But also it depends on the lease agreement. If ever there is a signed lease and the lease says rental will escalate by a certain percentage, then we also look into that. But if there's no there's no signed lease, 
then the, the landlord is required to to issue out to calendar month notices mm. to increase the, the, the rentals. And then on the issue of deposits, um, the deposits it's 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 not it's not meant for the landlord, but it's 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 for the tenant. When the tenant moves out of the property, he is entitled to his or her deposit back with interest. Um, uh, deposits should be invested in an interest-bearing account, which uh, whatever interest which has accumulated in that deposit should be refunded back. To the tenant. So, if ever there are any disputes around deposits or the notice period of increase in rent, those matters we also deal with with them. They can bring them to us. All right. And this is the final question. Uh, this is from Lorato, who stays in Newtown. If I sue my landlord according to the rental rights, can I also sue them according to customer rights? Sorry, I didn't hear that one. Uh, so, so she says if she sues um, her landlord according to the rental rights, can she then also sue him, I guess, according to consumer rights? Okay. If you are staying in a rented property, you, you, are, you are regulated under the Rental Housing Act. Mm. So you, you, can only, you can only come to the tribunal and sue the landlord in terms of the Rental Housing Act. But it does not stop you from going to the magistrate's court mm. and suing your landlord. And perhaps you might be suing for certain money, amount of money. You can, you can always go through a magistrate's court. But in some instances, the courts will then say, go back to the rental housing tribunal because they are the ones who are dealing with all the rental housing methods. All right. Thank you so much, Megalet. So this has been extremely informative, definitely on my side. And I think the listener can agree. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad we were able to share some light. That was Mekaleto Making from the Gauteng Housing Tribunal. If you do need to get to the Housing Tribunal, you can find them right here in the Johannesburg CBD on 129 Fox Street, or you can just give them a call on 011-630-5035. They also do have a very, very good website, and the website is filled with forms from any sort of complaint that you could think of. You are still tuned in to Law Focus on VFM 88.1. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VFM 88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus on VFM 88.1. Point of information. As we reflect on tonight's discussion, we spoke to Edward Molopi from the Social Economic Rights Institute of South Africa. He highlighted how important it is to understand your lease agreement first and foremost before you do anything. Understand your lease agreement. He also called on the government and institutions to subsidize accommodation to students to sort of solve this issue of accommodation affordability. We then had a very lengthy conversation with Giletso Making from the Gauteng Rental Housing Tribunal. Union. She informed us about how to use the renting, um, the renting housing tribunal, and she also answered questions that you sent through, giving us clarity and understanding to your rental rights. Remember to use the information and the structures provided to you. Make sure that you are well aware and informed of your obligation 
and responsibility as a tenant and a landlord. From our producer, Bulali Diakob, our technical producer, Kutlano Sarame, as well as our law-focused researchers, Siabonga Mota, Millicent Indiaweni, and myself, Veronica Mahwadi. Thank you so much for tuning in to Law Focus tonight. Listening to Law Focus? Connect with VowFam88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. Law Focus on Volfan 88.1 Point of Information Law Focus Podcast